your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Hello and welcome to the Culture Matters podcast. This week we have a first timer being somebody from Germany and her name is Sabina Itler. Sabina Itler is founder, UX researcher and interaction designer at UX Kids. She is passionate about designing and improving interactive media for all ages. Sabina grew up in the south of Germany and since then she has lived in the United States and traveled through Australia and New Zealand before in 2010 her passion for kids and media brought her to Amsterdam. So we're talking to a German in English who lives in Amsterdam and has an experience in the United States, Australia and New Zealand. And typically this um, interview is will be talking about the um, uh, cultural aspects when it comes to designing web pages, typically web pages. And if you stick with us, we'll guide you through the first four dimensions of Hofstede's uh, cultural model being power distance, individualism, masculinity and uncertainty avoidance and what you should pay attention to when uh, it comes to designing your website. Of course, we can go into really, really detailed details, um, but in the uh, in the show notes of this um, of this podcast, which you can find back on the Culture Matters website, culturematters.com, and just uh, go to the podcast tab and find Sabina there, you will find links to the uh, articles which are really worth reading. Okay, without any further ado, let's go into the interview. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Hello, Sabina. Good uh, morning. No, we have just moved to good afternoon. How are you? Good uh, afternoon. I'm, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well as well. Thank you for asking. Nobody ever asks how I'm doing. So you're the you're the first one that asks me how I'm doing. So thank you for that. Um, uh, the other first one that you're also uh, are is that you are German. That's right. Correct? Oh, wow. You are German, right? I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Because we, I, it's a, it's an amazing thing that your your Dutch is 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 so fluent. It's really amazing. But before we get to that, because we don't know who you are, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, where do you come from? Where you are right now? And tell us a little bit about your cultural frame of reference, please. Yeah. So uh, I guess my, my name is Sabina and I'm, uh, I was originally born in uh, the south of Germany uh, near Stuttgart. And that's also where I spent the most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I was 16, I spent a year in the U.S. And then I went back, I finished high school. I uh, started uh, my bachelor studies in Stuttgart. Um, by the end of my bachelor studies, I uh, moved to uh, the Netherlands. Um, and that's also where I, I did my master studies mm-hmm. and, uh, um, oh yeah, in, in between I was, I was traveling in, uh, Australia and New Zealand for, uh, for five months as well. Okay. So Australia, New Zealand and the United States, yeah. um, just out of curiosity, where did you go in the U S? Uh, well, actually I was in the, in the middle of the middle. I was in, um, uh, near Kansas city in Missouri. Yeah. So that's really the the center of the of the Bible Belt, basically. <laughs> is there a McDonald's there? There is McDonald's, yes, and a, and a Starbucks, yes, and running water, 
Yes. I'm just kidding. I, I, I don't need mean to insult uh, the 50% of the audience that we have in the United States. So uh, it's, I'm just kidding. It's um, No, it was, it was a great time. <laughs> it was a great time. And you spent there how much time? I spent there a little over a year. A little over a year. Great. Fantastic. Um, okay. The, the, in the introduction, uh, we have heard that you are a UX researcher. What is a U? I know what it is. What, what, how would you describe a UX researcher? What is it? Yeah. So what, uh, what, what is a researcher? I guess someone who, uh, tries to, uh, um, answer questions by, uh, by, uh, doing research. And I uh, try to answer questions related to the user experience of digital interfaces. And that's mainly everything related to, um, the way people interact with an interface and, uh, the things they feel by doing that. Uh, so the things, the things they, uh, they think they, they expect and, and the whole, well, basically the whole experience they have when, um, visiting a website, playing, a. uh, a game or, or using an app. And then I, uh, research, I test people while they use an app and I, I observe them and I, um, figure out, does the app, does the website actually meet the needs uh, of that particular user or mm-hmm. are there ways to improve the, the interface? Is that, is that like, is it the only apps or is it also like uh, websites? Yeah, it is. It's basically any digital interface. It can even be, a um, well, just the operating system of, of your phone or uh, of your computer or uh, uh, any machine, basically that has an, an a digital interface. Okay. Have you heard of um, the book "Don't Make Me Don't Make Me Think" by Steve Krug? Yes, okay. I have. <laughs> it's um, I, that was my first um, how do you say experience when it comes to user experience. Okay. And reading this book is very informative, and he, he uses a lot of Amazon um, examples in his book throughout uh, throughout that book to actually illustrate you know how Amazon does stuff really well and how other companies do a user interface really bad as well. Yeah, because yeah, that it's is really, true. It's right? really can, good book. You can see can really imagine. lousy websites and and really lousy de- designed apps, but also really good ones. Yeah. What's a what's a really good one? Luckily, yeah. What's a really good one? I guess uh, by now most big online shops are pretty good. Yeah. Um, con- considering the number of, of UX specialists they usually have um, in the company to try and make the website better and more intuitive mm-hmm. um, every day, and uh, and it, it's been proven that a, a good user experience, a good user flow, and intuitive interface. Um, actually increases your your revenue okay. by a lot. And so uh, it's, it's a simple uh, um, calculation. <laughs> well, I guess I, I have no experience with that. I mean, I, I look at a website and I think I either like it or I don't like it. And the other thing I think that helps as well, when you have some experience with a certain site, like take Amazon as a, as a point in case, if you're somewhat used to Amazon and, and you know your way around it, it becomes an easier website to already look at or yeah. to to work with, I guess. Yeah. For, um, for example, the uh, the Dutch um, what is it travel website Booking.com. Yeah. They have I think more than a hundred UX um, experts that that only focus on on the interface of, of their website. Hmm. So that's. that's uh, that is, I always think it's a quite interesting uh, figure. Yeah, that is, that is. And that's quite an amazing company. I did some work for them in the, in the past as well. And they're, by the way, they're also pretty culturally sensitive. So yeah. They do pay attention to cultural differences throughout their organization, um, uh, worldwide, that is. But definitely because, I mean, their, their main, their backbone is this website. 
so yeah. that that has to be really good. But we'll talk about that as well. We're, we're not talking about user experience here on the Culture Matters podcast because um, we do talk about cultural differences. And um, uh, one reason, but we'll get to that. One reason that you're actually on the uh, on the show here is that you rather you wrote a really interesting article two years ago, which is called "How to Design a, for a Cross Cultural User Experience." And uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. I'm just curious, you being German. Um, you're from the south of Germany. From you, you call that the south of Germany, and from Stuttgart, but you're not from Bavaria. No, and then, and I find that really one. I'm, I'm testing this with you right now here live uh, as we're doing this interview. <laughs> I've always experienced that if a somebody from Germany, if you ask him uh, where you're from, and he says Germany, you can rest assured pretty much 100 that he's not from Bavaria. Because um, a somebody from the south of Germany, that's that's Munich or München, he would say I'm from Bavaria, which is the south. Would you agree with that? Um, I, I definitely recognize it. Yes, you recognize that as well. Yeah. So basically, you're German. That means that you're not from from the, not the from Munich Bavaria. area. No, <laughs> you're from the um, uh, the Mercedes area, isn't it? Yeah, Mercedes and, and Porsche. The, not from the BMW area. It's it's Mercedes and Porsche, so it's it's even better than uh, ah, okay. right. <laughs> the BMW. I I see the masculinity popping out already. Nice, nice to see that. <laughs> um, uh, what made you leave Germany? Because uh, at a young age, that is, um, if I'm not mistaken, 16 years. You said you uh, you left Germany for the US. Yeah. What yeah. what happened? Um, if you're willing to share, really. I was I was I w- I've always been a, uh, an extremely curious person, I guess, and <clears throat> for some reason, I always like. I think already when I was 12 years old, I told my mom, hey, mom, I really want to go abroad. I really want to like, see how other people live and, and, and just have this, this experience of, of being somewhere else and uh, not just always the same thing, basically. So I was, I was already really curious back then. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of kept saying that, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to the States when I'm, uh, when I'm older. Yeah. And and she really supported me in that. So uh, um, when I was 16, I actually uh, yeah, moved to the States for, well, it was a high, high school exchange. So I, I visited high school there. Um, and it was it was a great experience. It was very, very different. And it, uh, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. Like uh, a lot of mm. times people ask me, so you, you went there with, with 16, which is quite young. And yeah, uh, yeah was it ever difficult? Did but you it, suffer? It not. No, you didn't suffer. <laughs> and and yeah. any any particular reason why you picked the United States and not, for instance, uh, Hong Kong or Australia, um, or South Africa? I don't know. Just mentioning. Yeah, before. I think probably because I just had more reference with the states than with other countries, mm-hmm. just through movies and, uh, um, I guess, more famous people from from there. So there's just okay. more. Yeah, I didn't really have uh, any reference with Hong Kong back then. Still not, by the way. But okay, that's a nice yeah. place as well. And I can imagine if you're 16, I mean that's that's maybe leading more in your deci- your decision making process. Yeah, and it's also English is like the first language that you have in school. So basically, if you go away, you want to also learn the language. And then yeah, it, it's either I guess Australia could have been possible, but that's even further away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And, um, you went to the middle of the, of the U S and you said it was, it was kind of easy. Um, can you, if possible, um, dive into your memory and come up with maybe a story that, um, where you entered there, you came into the United States for your first time, you set foot on the ground and it's like, what's happening here? Or this is different or something like that. You know, it's somewhat of a culture shock. Anything like that happened to you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
I think it was it was for me at that age back then it was um, very positive because people are very open minded. They're very interested. Um, and they, they welcomed me with open arms and they were like, okay, so who are you? What are you doing here? Okay. Okay. This is, this is interesting. And, uh, and they were really, they were really open. So it was really easy to make contact and to just go there and feel welcome. Mm-hmm. And, um, after a while I realized, yeah, everyone like pretends to be like that open, friendly person. And then it takes a while to actually figure out who uh, who is serious about it and uh, and who yeah will actually become a friend mm-hmm. um so that i think that's a little double if i think about it now but back then it was it was for me it was really perfect okay just to have that friendly open experience yeah i guess it's um from what i understand and my own experience working with americans and and having having lived there for a year uh some time back it's um it's one of the easiest culture to that assimilates other cultures as well which is yeah. which makes it such a such an excellent melting pot i guess yeah. now now you're in amsterdam um are you in the in the capital in uh, the, the well that's a silly question amsterdam is the capital you're in the netherlands <laughs> that was what i was going to say what keeps you in the in the netherlands um, well, what keeps me now is my, uh, my boyfriend for once oh, and, uh, my company. Okay. Second. And, and what is your company again? Um, my company is UX kids and that's basically, uh, um, yeah, user experience, user experience research for, uh, uh, for children. Okay. All right. And, um, um, okay. So you've been to the U S you now living in the Netherlands, your Dutch is almost fluent. You've also, um, toured around in Australia, New Zealand. Could you list a couple of cultural differences between these three, four countries? Yeah. So I guess there, there is, and that's something that always fascinates me, still fascinates me. I've been, uh, I've, I've lived here for four and a half years now uh-huh. and, and it, it, it's so interesting how co- countries can be so close to each other mm-hmm. um, geographically <laughs> and so different from each other. Like um, the Netherlands and, and Germany then? Yeah, yeah. So what would be the biggest difference that you would that you would see or have experienced? Um, I think for me personally, it is the, uh, um, the drive to always be the best at everything. <laughs> and those are the, the Germans or the Dutch? That's the Germans. The Germans, okay. Yeah, so really, really ambitious, and I'm a lot of times I'm I'm being called, um, what is it that I'm I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really focused and I'm really uh, um, thorough in everything I do, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm really driven. So yeah. like I, I don't I don't feel like doing something is not really an argument for me to not do something because okay. there's just so many other reasons why you have to do something. Yeah. And uh, and I feel that in the Netherlands, people are just much more laid back, and uh, and and they live in order to enjoy life and to, uh, um, yeah, to do the things that they really enjoy. And of course, there are some things that that you have to do in order to in to do what you enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the focus is always on like on the living, on the social part, on the on the yeah, on the fun part. Yeah, you, you work to live. Work is not necessarily um, a motivator for the Dutch. No. And for the Germans, it's, it's, it could be potentially the other way around. Yeah. So you, you live to work. And, and what you do, uh, who you are is what you do at work. Is that's, would, yeah. would that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, that's, 
that's definitely how I would define it. And then I guess what, what also, um, yeah, is, is, is worth, uh, worth mentioning is that Germany is huge and you have compared with the Netherlands. Yes. So if you look at the Dutch people, um, and then my, my grandma, she's from the um, very north of Germany. Uh-huh. Um, and those mentalities are already much more alike than uh, the Netherlands and, uh, and the south of Germany. And then it's more Swabia and, and Bavaria as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's already a huge difference within Germany. <laughs> okay. Did you find it difficult to settle in as a, as a German uh, in the Netherlands? No, I didn't. Not at all. Was it as easy as in, in the U.S.? Um, yeah, I think I think that the Dutch people and the and the Americans they have a lot of things in common as well. Yeah. Um, and and I think for for me is well, I grew up in the south of Germany, but my mom she's from the north, and and I, I have this Nordic, um, I don't know, ideal a little bit, I guess, and I, I never actually fitted in in the south, so I never had the idea oh this is this is where i grew up this is where i i want to live and i always felt like i needed to get away from all these obligations and all the musts and 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 the the the, the fixed structures yeah and, uh, and when i came to the u.s uh, when i came to yeah the u.s but also the netherlands it was it just felt so much more free and so much more um i don't know easy to live mm. then i mean compared to the to germany for instance yeah 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 Okay. Um, you have, or I don't know, you have a particular interest in different cultures. Where did that come from? Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, I don't know. Like I said, I was already, when I was 12 years old, I was already really interested in uh, in, in other people and, uh, um, yeah, and also in other cultures. Yeah. And I just, I just think it's fascinating how we're all the same people and then based on the social influences and the the values and and everything that we grow up in we we can differ so much in opinion or in uh in in our thoughts i, th- I just think that's that's amazing that I, I find i very much agree with what you're saying right there and the, time and again there are people that say well you know it's not like that we have two eyes and two ears and one nose and we're pretty much the same and it comes down to eventually to the person that you're dealing with and I just, I get big question marks hovering around my head. Why would you, what, what is your opinion? What would be the reason why um, so many companies brush over these cultural differences so easily? Um, yeah, maybe because they've never actually experienced it. Or maybe they, uh, they haven't taken the time to look closely. <laughs> or okay. haven't taken the time to, ex- to understand the differences. Um, but I think if you, if you don't try to understand or if you don't, don't see the differences and try to find your way to, to, uh, handle them or to, to, yeah, work with them, Mm -hmm. it can be really difficult to, uh, especially to work with someone from a different culture. So I, 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 yeah, especially now I see the difference between Dutch people and, 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 and Germans and because they're so close to each other. Um, I know a lot of companies have Dutch clients and the other way around and, um, just, I just talked to my mom yesterday and she has a Dutch client and she says, it's so, it's so difficult. And if you didn't know they were Dutch, then you would just not, you, you just, I don't know. They're just not nice people. <laughs> yes, and, yes, yeah. Yeah, and then she's like, well, yeah, but they are Dutch and I have to keep telling myself they're Dutch. They're just different. So it's, it's, yeah, it's okay. It's not the it's individual. Not, yeah. Yeah. 
That's very interesting. That's a nice way of phrasing it as well. Um, it, it's the uh, I mentioned this earlier already in the uh, uh, in the interview that the article that you've um, written a little over two years ago, how to design for a cross cultural user experience, and design means I guess uh, talking about web design here. Um, it's I thought that 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 triggered a very uh, uh, that triggered my interest here, and that's why I got in touch with you. Um, in that article, you talk about cultural differences. What you do is you use the four, five dimensions of uh, Professor Hoff's data, yeah. uh, of the uh, of the Hoff's data model, and you sort of guide us through each in in two articles. By the way, these articles you can find on the Culture Matters website as well. Just go to culturematters.com and then do a search for podcast or um, do a search for Sabina. And let's just get that name right. And you have split it up in two articles. In article one, you talk about um, hierarchy sec- uh, and individualism. And the second article, you talk about uh, masculinity, uncertainty, avoidance, and long-term orientation. And you focus on McDonald's as an ex- as an example. You call it a, an example uh, par excellence. Why did you pick McDonald's for this? Um, yeah, I, I think... I- well, one is a very simple reason because um, I, I wanted to reach a big audience and everyone is familiar with McDonald's. Yeah. Um, so that's just a, a nice example to uh, yeah to, to have someone, something people recognize. Mm-hmm. And also I, I looked at different websites and I uh, trying to find uh, companies that actually um, – Consider the differences in different cultures and different countries and, um, and translate them to the websites. And, um, McDonald's was one of the few examples that I found that actually did something with that and almost had uh, a different website, um, for, for every country. Okay. That makes good sense. Is it, is it possible for you to, um, take these four, say five dimensions and, uh, quickly assess, you know, what you should focus on? Is that something you could do or is that too difficult? Um, yeah, it might be it might be too too complex um, to to focus on when you design a website. You mean? Um, well, no. On on uh, say hierarchy. If if a culture scores high on hierarchy, then um, versus a culture scores low on hierarchy, what should you focus on? Can you can you talk us through the say the first four dimensions? Um, yeah, sure. So I'll I'll just <laughs> grab the article to have a, a reference point. <laughs> putting, putting you on the spot here. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, um, let's do this together. I'll talk about the dimension and you say, okay, well, if it's low, it's like this. If it's high, it's somewhat like this or pay attention to this. Is that, so can we play around like that? Sure. All right. Excellent. So let's, let's talk about hierarchy or, or power distance or PDI as uh, Hofstede calls it. Um, power distance talks about, um, how dependent people are on the power holder, if you want. And the power holder in the beginning starts with your parents, becomes your teacher, and then eventually becomes your boss. And in high scoring countries, um, or cultures, there should be a good, um, there is generally a hierarchy is there. It's existential. And in low scoring countries, you should have a good, reason for hierarchy because otherwise you know people would have opposed the fact that there are hierarchical differences and um in your article you talk about um the netherlands scoring low on hierarchy yeah so what what would be a low scoring how would a low low scoring site look like more or less well um uh, i guess in, in, in general low scoring means um or how you could translate that to web design uh-huh. um is that you just 
you approach your customers, your clients on a more personal level. So more on the same level, you don't try to um, put something to give them something and say, Hey, this is it. And, 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 uh, and I tell you because I'm whatever, uh, the expert and that's why you have to believe me, yeah. but it's more on a, on a friendly level. Like, Hey, do you want to figure out together what, what, um, what your advantages can be of this? Yeah, yeah. It's like you're not telling the customer what they should do. It's like a, you and I are deciding what you should eat. So in a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then on um, a country that scores relatively high compared to the Dutch, that is, is is China. You're in your article. You talk about China. So a country that scores high on power distance. What would that website look like? Yeah, so that that would be more um, actually something that I as a as a customer as a client I go to and I just look at it and I I sort of believe what it says mm-hmm. um, rather than uh, having to I don't really need arguments I don't really need um, to understand for myself but if I if I go to your website and you tell me that that's the way it is then I'm I'm uh, um, more likely to believe that because. Because you're, yeah, you're the expert on that topic. Okay. You're, and, you're, you're, uh, and I have exactly. more, I have less of an own opinion or I, I have less value in my own opinion. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's like you're the authority. And yeah. uh, as a client, you listen or you sort of take what the authority tells you if you look at the website. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know we're doing this really uh, um, uh, off the cuff here and we're cutting corners here, but the articles are really worth uh, worth reading. And again, uh, I'd, I'd like you to, to direct to the website and read these articles as well. Number two, second dimension is individualism versus collectivism, whereby individualistic cultures have more of an, of an me, me, me viewpoint. You know, my loyalty lies with me and where collectivistic cultures have more of a uh, us and we kind of feeling and whereby the own opinion seems to be relatively less important than what your peer group thinks of well whatever given subjects yeah. so uh, what do we start with uh, the, the american um, high scoring culture on individualism what does that look like um, uh, yeah, basically that's focused on, uh, um, how do I target my, uh, my visitors, my, my clients? Um, I target them by, by, um, addressing them directly, personally, uh, and maybe making promises, um, for that specific individual person. So, uh, for example, Hey, are uh, are you interested in whatever? Or if you do this, I believe you that something will right. change. So it's really focused on the on the individual visitor and and showing that visitor what what the benefits are for him or her. Okay. Excellent. The American side of the McDonald's company. Then we take a big leap across the Atlantic. And we end up in Turkey because that is a more, by far, more collectivistic um, nation compared to the United States. What should be the focus for uh, website builders in more collectivistic societies? Um, uh, yes, it, it's again the same thing. How do how do I address my visitor? And and it's more it, it's less about the individual advantages. It's more addressing the whole group or. Mm-hmm telling them what can be the, um, the benefit for your whole family, for example, or how can you use something for your whole community or also how, how do other people use it and how does that um, give you an example of how to do it so you kind of fit in with the group. 
Okay. It's interesting that you mentioned also that on that uh, that uh, at that time that you wrote it, at least there were uh, three spots where you can actually click social media buttons to share what you were doing with your own group. So yeah, I thought that was a, a very good uh, way of looking at it. Um, then moving on to the um, uh, third dimension, which is uh, often a confused name: masculinity versus femininity. Again, uh, need to say that this has nothing to do with gender differences per se. At least this has more to do with uh, masculine society or tough societies that tend to be more goal-oriented and um, like Sabina you said yourself you're more goal-oriented than your um, your feminine uh, uh, countrymen in the Netherlands and <laughs> feminine countries or cultures if you want are more uh, process-oriented and more consensus-focused that would be the yeah. difference between the high and low score so yeah. more of a um, um, I said masculinity first uh, yeah sure um yeah so uh, so what does that mean for for your website if you have a more uh, um masculine society i guess it's it's about um yeah you can use a, a, a couple of um factors to, to to trigger people's interest um for example um success or uh, um achievement or if you have a competition and and you can uh, um invite people to like, compete against each other okay. and uh, yeah just try to like get the um trigger the performance um, um right what is it yeah Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm just putting you on the spot and I really appreciate that you're collaborating here. Um, feminine society. And then you switch to um, uh, Norway. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in, uh, in, in, in that case, it's, it's more the, okay, how can I, um, uh, how, can I how can I perform the best uh, in, as, as more... In, in a feminine society, it's more about enjoying life and, okay. and uh, having like a collective, um, how do you say that? Like you, you, you're more likely to, to agree on something to, to kind of keep peace and to just um, let things be and, 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 and enjoy in what there is. And for certain, for sure, not competitive. It's, it's, yeah. it's friendly and well-rounded in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And it's not edgy and it's you over me and elbow work, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Uncertainty avoidance. It's the um, let's do. Let's make this the last one. Uncertainty avoidance, or UAI uh, for short, it's one of the most um, underestimated, at least in my opinion, definite um, dimensions when it comes to cultural uh, differences or cultural dimensions, because it talks about uh, in general, it talks about rules and regulations, but not only the official ones, also the unofficial ones, and there's a whole realm of of phenomenon in society that you can actually. Uh, stick to uncertainty avoidance and yeah. one of them uh for is is rules and regulations but it's also um uh, how people trust ex experts for instance or the the herr doctor professor coming from um, from germany and those are all traits from high scoring cultures whereby low scoring cultures do not uh, are not how do you say um motivated that much by uh, lots of rules and regulations now in your article you mentioned the site of the russian mcdonald's what's about what about that Russia be a, a high-scoring country. Yes, if it's if it's a high uncertainty, they they uh, um, like to have people like to have um, more idea, uh, information and uh, um, security to base their decisions on. Mm -hmm. So they uh, um, and I think that's that's also something that applies to to German society. <laughs> yeah. You don't like, jump to um, new things. You're not as willing to uh, just 
try something because it's new, yeah. but you, you'd rather have um, a confirmation first about the, the quality and the, um, maybe the safety or uh, um, yeah, the criteria that are really important to you and make sure it, it fits those criteria. And that the stuff that you're used to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And rather than well, low scoring countries and then we go to India. Yeah. So then, uh, and then you, you're much more um, inclined to trying new things and uh, um, the, the whole, I guess the, the traditional, this is what it always has been. So that's what it has to continue mm -hmm. to be like. That's not as important. And you're, you're more open to new things and trying new things and uh, um, uh, yeah, just trying to, uh, trying to figure out if there's something, uh, something better, something uh, um, maybe more exciting. Mm. Okay, and and the um, and the the point of case we're talking about India here is that you mentioned in your article that the McDonald's website there at the time that you wrote the article at least gave you the option to actually alternate the the color schemes of um, the web page that you're actually looking at. Yeah. And you might wonder why is that important? Well, for some it is, and for some it isn't. And and, and high scoring countries would not be interested in that. But low scoring countries, in uh, when it comes to uncertainty avoidance, might want to experiment and see, you know, how their well, Big Mac is not something they sell in India, but you know how your your veggie burger might actually look in India. So yeah. now we, we talked about um, uh, maybe if you listen to this, they might be like trivial differences. Um, but I, I, I think, I mean, you being usability expert, they're, they're not, these are not trivial differences, right? Would you agree with me? Yeah, I would definitely agree. It's, uh, especially, um, when you look at the usability, um, the, the big differences are in the detail. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it is, it is very important to look at the details and every detail can affect how people perceive a website, how they, um, navigate a website, how they uh, uh, respond to a website, mm -hmm. and and that's eventually what makes the website trustworthy or uh, um, or usable. Yeah, and uh, just to make sure, you know, I think, but correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not an expert on this one, at least not when it comes to web design. I think we make the, and this is about you and I, you know, going to websites and using this for everyday, whatever uh, life that we lead. We look at a website and we assess a website, I think, relatively subconsciously. And we do this in a fraction of a second or in a couple of seconds. Am I correct there? Um, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say so. It's it's really the, the first impression that makes a huge difference, mm -hmm. and and that's not something that we we do consciously. And it always depends on the kind of website we visit and the the motivation, the goals that we have in visiting a website. Yeah. But um, uh, whenever we we go somewhere to look for information or to just to be entertained or uh, or whatever, we have some expectations and we have some. Um, reasons to go there so then uh, we see whatever we see and, and 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 that first impression that can tell us so much about the company's value about um the the way they value their visitors mm -hmm. uh, about the different um maybe hierarchies of their content just so many things that that are unconsciously um communicated by the company through the web design mm -hmm. yeah yeah I would definitely agree. Is there any um, like uh, uh, average design? I mean, not average design in terms of like a bad design, mediocre design, but in suppose, can you tailor, can you make one single website that works for all, all cultures or do you always need to diversify? I, I would say you, you always have to diversify. 
Okay. Yeah. That's, and that's, then maybe not for all countries, not for all uh, um, cultures. And it, again, it depends on what your goal is with your website. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's if it's just an information uh, informational website, it it could be easier to have one version that fits more cultures because it it could be really um, really plain. But then again, you have countries or cultures that need more information that want to dig deeper that want to. Um, yeah, so you, uh, of course you, you can build in multiple layers in one website to right. serve more, more different people. Mm. Um, but if it's something on a personal level, then it definitely has to be different. Okay. All right. Okay. That's, that's either, uh, promising for people like you, that I mean, you, you, you can help these people out. And of course, possibly disturbing for a lot of people <laughs> that might have international websites and think, Ooh, maybe I should maybe tailor it more to this or maybe tailor it more to these kind of, um, kind of people. Yeah. And Anyways, it, it can be as simple as the, as the, the language, I guess that's, um, a lot of times you have one website and then you decide, Oh, I want to expand. I want to maybe have that same website in a different language. And, and the person who translate all your copy for you, who translates the copy that is so important because the the tone of voice already makes a huge difference in how you approach your your visitors yes i can imagine so getting a good copywriter is is worth the investment you're saying yeah yeah definitely copywriter translator of course yeah Okay. All right. Um, Sabina, thank you for uh, guiding us through these four dimensions of Hofstede. Um, we're about 35 minutes into uh, into our conversation and I'm trying to sort of wrap it up. I have two questions left. One of them is, uh, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent? Um, three tips. Let's see. Yeah. I would say, first of all, um, don't judge I think that's something that I've I've learned is as probably the most important thing for uh, cultural uh, competence to um, to always assume okay it, it's going to be different um, but it, the, that doesn't mean it's worse or better and at some point you will you'll be able to figure out okay and, and this part might indeed be a little worse but then on the other side there are things that are better mm-hmm. so there is always a worse and a better and uh, and and I've I found it very valuable to, to not think about it like that but just think about it as different mm-hmm. okay um, second, uh, be curious. That's something I've noticed um, so many times that you wonder and you think, wow, that's weird or different or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and I think being curious and actually asking questions helps the, uh, uh, yeah, to the communication and, and the exchange and helps you to understand and, and also connect with people because people really value it if, if, if other people are interested. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And um, yeah, the third one. Yeah, and this is this is always the most difficult question, apparently, that uh, <laughs> that people need to uh, well need to answer. If you want to leave it at two, Sabina, that's perfect. Yeah, I think well. I think it's it's also um, be open to travel. I think that's something that I've um, yeah that I would like to uh, uh, to pass on to just travel. And whenever you travel, don't stick to the um, to the pre-organized um, travel routes, mm. but leave the path and kind of try to meet local people and um, stay places long enough to, yeah, maybe maybe even interact or get to know local people yeah. rather than just passing through, taking pictures and thinking you've been somewhere. Yeah, true, true, true. 
All right, excellent. These things make good sense. They'll be in the blog as well in the article uh, supporting this uh, this interview. And then finally, please, um, if people would like to get in touch with you, would like to know more about what you do or when it comes to maybe cultural differences and web design uh, or usability, of course, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Um, uh, sure, um, I would be happy to discuss any any more questions. Um, uh, the easiest way is probably through email. Yeah. And uh, that would be uh, zabina at uxkids.com. And the email is also on my website, uxkids.com. uxkids.com. And your first name is spelled S-A-B-I-N-A. Yes, correct. All right. Anything else? Any other means to get in touch with you? Um, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't really use Facebook. No, but I'm on smart. Facebook as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Facebook fan either. Okay, Sabina, thank you so much for your, your time. Really appreciate that you took the stand and, uh, you know, being on the, in the spotlight and um, uh, getting uh, us through the article that you've written over two years ago, but still very valid. Um, thanks again for the interview, and I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. Again, Sabina, thank you for guiding us through these uh, four dimensions of Hofstede and uh, how this relates to cultural differences and web design, how all this stuff is inter uh, intertwined, if you want. So I think that not, nothing is culturally neutral, not even a simple web page. Well, there you go. And also thank you, of course, for sharing your, uh, your, your personal experience in your uh, early travels there. I hope you liked the interview here. If you do, and if you did, if you do like this podcast, I would really appreciate if you could give me an honest rating in iTunes. Um, go to the iTunes store, type in something like cultural differences that would work. I guess you could try my name as well, Chris Smith, no H at the end, and um, give me a honest review and rating. Thanks so much for that, for taking the time to do that. I'll be back in two weeks' time with yet another interview. Take care. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.